0: Hello, readers. I'm Detore's unwilling servant, Balnaz, the kobold. I'm here to tell you that this episode of Blaster Podcast is sponsored by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. Basecamp! (gasps) Did you say Spacecamp? No. Willkommen zu Blastro Podcast, mein Blastroppenheimers. I forget who I am, but today's scientifical topic will not so easily be forgotten. It's the foundation of learning, the gateway to our past experiences, and the driving force behind whenever you say, Oh yeah. Unless of course you say it like that big jug of juice, Kulaiot Man. He goes, Oh yeah. But enough about citizens who are also juice holders. Today's topic, and the thing to which I refer, is of course, meh. Hammery Heirled <laughs> it. Throw what you're doing in the garbage and get ready to meet today's guest. You may have seen him performing on stage as Captain Julius Baxter in Improvised Star Trek or performing spontaneous plays with the Improvised Shakespeare Company. Perhaps you've heard his voice as the Wizard Usador on the podcast Hello from the Magic Tavern. Or maybe you've seen his graven image moving across your home television machine in advertisement commercials. <gasps> it doesn't matter how you know him. Just admit to yourself that you do. What's past is past, and nothing can change that now. Now pick up your half-made salad out of the garbage, and welcome today's jest,
1: Matt Young! Hello. Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me on the show today, Dottori. Thank you for entering my pod chamber. I'm happy to be here. Uh, It's a little cozy, but, uh, you know, we'll make do. Yeah, we've added the insulation to the interior wall plating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I noticed that. It's a little less... uh, uh, I visited once before. Really? Yeah, I snu- I peeked my head in one time, and what? I was like, "It's very, it's very sparse in here." Yeah, and this feels, a little, yeah, this is cozier. I like it. I
0: was I like doing it. a feng Shuang, and I had to throw out most of my furniture. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to start over sometimes. You must start over. That's why I've lined the interior with a thick lining of mucus. Hit the reset. Uh, okay.
1: You d- oh, no, no right not right now, not right now, not right now. What? Oh no, no, not not literally, not right now, no, oh. right. no, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's all right.
0: <laughs> Let's just get this out of me.
1: <clears throat> Matt, Matt, yeah, come in and
0: know mech besser Mensch. Okay, hello, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. <clears throat> now, uh, Matt, yeah, you are Matt Young. Uh, yes, that's correct. You are a performative man. Uh, this is also correct.
1: Uh, what do you like to put on show? Uh, I like to put on show uh, because uh, it make people laugh. Mm. Yeah, that that's the best answer I think I can give. So the most put, succinct, at least. You put on uh, primarily laugh show. I put on primarily laugh show. Uh, yes, I think laugh make people good and better. Uh, so it's uh, I I just found that uh, as a younger man uh, I studied theater and I spent a long time trying to be a very serious important actor. And I was really bad at that. And uh, then I found comedy and I grew up watching Kids in the Hall and Monty Python and laughing. And then I was like, oh, I should do that because I love it. And um, yeah, and I do all those things that you mentioned before. And uh, uh, Improvise Star Trek is also a podcast. So there are all sorts of ways to listen to me make the funny laugh-em-ups.
0: No, you said you believe laughter makes people better.
1: Yes. What makes people worse? Uh, crying, hatred, uh, revenge, jealousy, um, uh, lead. <laughs> That's scientifically accurate. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know some steps. I know some things. Let's learn others. Okay. Matt, the-
0: my, pl- my What's beeping at us? The bunchivers the, the PlayStation 4 is throwing up games! <laughs> <laughs> Fallout 4 <laughs> is falling out. Uh, the irony... We'll be right back.
1: Matt, mm-hmm. today's topic is memory. How do you use memory on stage? Well, on stage, it's very important to use your working memory uh, to help you do a thing called callbacks.
0: Is that Especially, like when you <laughs> when you're doing good with the audition, they're gonna bring you like you just you a, almost a made little, it.
1: A little bit, a little bit, like getting a callback audition. Uh, You say a thing again a second time, and then everybody's real happy. So that is not dissimilar to an audition callback, uh, and all it requires is that you remember something 20 minutes later that you said 20 minutes ago.
0: That doesn't sound very practical to me.
1: it's, It's not practical. I wouldn't say it's practical. It's not like a skill you could use, I don't know, like in your work life, like remembering things and then... You know, saying them back to people to make them feel like you're listening to them. So, I yeah, it doesn't have a lot of practical uses. Listening to them. Mm-hmm.
0: No, Matt.
1: Yeah. Let's get into
0: the nerds and bolts of it. Yes. How do you remember? How do you tag the important sliver of
1: comedy that is destined to be called back? As a performer uh, and a coach, I would say like uh, the thing that I do is I remind people that they don't have to remember everything, that you're part of a group usually that is working together. And it's like, if all eight people in this group remember one thing, the whole group has remembered eight things, which seems like a magic trick. uh, When in actuality, you just remembered one thing. If you remember two things, that's 16 things. And that's really impressive, you know, Uh, because uh, most audiences aren't used to remembering things like that. They don't, they sort of process things and move forward. Uh, uh, in terms of like how it works, works. Uh, there's a lot of science behind memory. That's super fascinating that I'm sure you already know everything about. Of course I'm a man of science. You are a man of science, but let's not put the horse before the cars. Let's not. You use
0: menomi me on stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. As you've inferred. Yes. People use menomi me in other ways. Yes.
1: At the workplace. Mm hmm. Baptisms. Yes. Novelty funerals. Picking out gelato flavors. Of course. Yeah. Because if you read those little signs and you don't know what they mean with your memory, then you're screwed. It's a, a Pyrrhic victory at best. Yeah. You'd always get pistachio because it's green and you're like, the hell? Why
0: is the pistachio green? Are they green on the inside?
1: They are green on the inside. When they're raw, they're definitely green, and then you cook them a little bit, and they get kind of greenish brown. Are they amelians? They are amelians. I think so. Uh, There's no Science knows there's
0: no life form on the planet of Earth that's green, other than an amelian. What about frogs? They're... um,
1: Swamp? I'm just curious. You said there are no animals on Earth that are green. I don't like your challenging attitude I'm not now. No, 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 I'm not challenging. You're not. a man of science, so I'm coming to you for answers. Right, a frog's green. Yeah. That's a, that's one for the ages. Are they Malians too? A- Amelians? Yeah, frogs. Well, they, I mean, if perhaps an
0: Amelian visited the Earth uh, before the time of the pharaohs. That makes sense. And left behind their DNA. Okay. That was in the time of Amelian versus prejudice. Yeah, no, no matter who wins, we lose. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. Maps.
1: What, pray tell, is your memory most vivid? No sex stuff. I'll, I'll try not to do any sex stuff. Um, I actually have a very, uh, vivid memory that I'm sure is totally wrong. I'm, I'm sure that like as a kid, I totally like uh, twisted this and like remembered it wrong. I remember being like five years old and coming out of the front uh, door of my house and walking down. We had a little uh, like stone patio. And from underneath the patio, a bee maybe the size of a football appeared. Like, this is very distinctly burned into my brain. I was terrified, and I'm pretty sure that that is not correct.
0: <laughs> a football sized bee.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there's more in heaven and earth than in our poetry, Horatio. Wow, that's pistachio. a great
1: point. Ooh, pistachio. That Call about, good. Uh Football size bee. Did yeah. it harm you, or was it just scary? It was scary. Uh, I thought I was going to get stung, and I think uh, I think it's like the perfect example of a thing that you. I'm sure I saw a bee, and I got scared, and then somehow, conflating it in my memory through either convincing myself or remembering it wrong, and slightly changing that memory, uh, I made the bee much bigger than it really obviously could be. Right. Yeah. Unless. And a pre faroe alien left a bee here that was waiting in Decatur, Illinois until 1981 or something that they put under that porch. That's the only other theory I have.
0: It's possible that the bee DNA combined with the football DNA and created a bee ball. Classic bee football alien mutant. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Um, well I'm glad you didn't get stung. Me too. How okay, if you had to be the size of
1: of a football, how big do you think its stinger would be? It'd have to be like the size of like a like a big knitting needle, right? Like a crochet? Exactly. Oof. Yeah, I don't want to get hit with that. That could like fatally wound you. Especially when you're like six. Come on. That would be it. I'd you, be done. You know, well, we're glad you're not done. Yeah.
0: One thing that occurs to me, when you are a small child, your eyebules are smaller. True. And things seem larger. That's very true. Why, I remember when I saw my father-son's pants and thought he was a horseman. I thought we weren't doing any sex stuff. I'm not doing any sex stuff. (laughs) Okay, good, 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 good. Because of that memory. Yes, thank you. How could I live up to that image? No, no. What the fuck? (laughs) Like (laughs) PlayStation 4?
1: (laughs) Keep it quiet. I have other memories too. If you'd like to talk about those, I can uh, tell you about the first time I kissed a girl. Okay. Uh, it was in the no sex stuff, please. Okay. I'm, I'm. I think kissing stuff is okay, though. Well, like if you kiss an apple. I don't recall for luck. Uh, I'm gonna take plead the fifth.
0: All right. What if you kiss a bundle of grapes? The whole bundle? Yeah.
1: The whole uh. Ooh, what um... do you call that conflagration of grapes? A bunch. A it's grape a bunch. cluster? A, a bunch of grapes? I, I a banana think... come in bunch? Bananas are in bunches. I think grapes are also in bunches.
0: Servant, break me off a sprig of a grape bunch, that I may be fed it by <clears throat> toged individuals whilst
1: I am fanned upon my divan chair. Mm. You should get those guys in here. The servants? To fill in around the mucus. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have one servant. She you is, do? She is a kobold, uh, but I'm quite abusive to this creature, uh. so she doesn't hasn't come around in season two of Blaster uh, Podcast. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Requires a lot
0: of writing to work her in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, mm, Matt? Yes? Did you know Blastro Podcast has a Twitter presence? I did know that. I am also on Twitter. We, we could
0: make our Twitters be friends with each other. We, we are Twitter
1: friends. We should be, we are not. could
0: hang out on the internet.
1: Finally, right? Right. Hey, tell me your handle. It's AskDotore. I have at more people happy, which is my personal Twitter.
0: You're giving it out on the podcast, you fool!
1: And I have at Usador the Blue, which is an in-character Twitter
0: handle. Wait a minute, excuse me. Yeah. You're telling me that lovable old mage, Usodra, is actually a figmunt? Played by you, a man?
1: Yeah, I this this is gonna seem weird to you, no, because no. Uh, you are a real person. I'm a real man, and I'm a tutorial, lord. But I play Usador the Wizard and I also portray him on Twitter. So I play him on the podcast as well as on the internet. So now we're talking about Welcome to Night Vale? This is in Welcome to Night Vale, yeah. That's right. One uh, of my favorite NPR super shows. Super popular podcasts that I'm on.
0: a Wizard, not a real man.
1: Not a real man. He, do you feel like you're tricking people? Uh, yeah. That's why I started doing it because I felt like I wasn't lying to the American public enough. Mm-hmm. So the international like, public with what with the internet, that's very true. Yeah, China. Yeah, they ever block they, that? They they have no idea that there's a Usador out there. Or North Korea, I would wager. Yeah, they probably don't know either. They have their own Usador. Yeah, and he Wait, is what? faithful to the state. Oh, that's good. Good for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, they need someone to look up to. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally.
0: But I bring this up, Matthew. Can I call you Matthew? At, please, I insist. At Matthew, please, I insist. I bring this up because one of my 12 listeners has written it to me on Twitter. Really? Yes. His name or her name. You never know
1: from here. Their name.
0: (laughs) Their name is Ark in Black. Would you please read for the jury Ark in Black's Twitter to us?
1: I'd be happy to. Ark in Black writes, are alternate realities real? If so, how do they work? Can you recommend any? Ah, uh, thanks for the question, Arkin Black. Can I pose one criticism? Of that course. technically there should be a comma after if so. Well, this is a, a transcription. I still, I'm still not happy with this person. With Arkin Black? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to hold it against them. Why are you trying to rip apart my very fragile listenership? Arkin Black, <laughs> you and I are going to have words. <laughs> You hear that? The puppeteer behind the empty, vacuous form of Usador the Wizard is upset with you, Arkin Black. The gauntlet is thrown. Yeah. But please, answer Arkin Black's question. It's a very important question. I don't know if I'm in a mood anymore. Oh, come on. Please. Please. All right. I'll make blueberry pancakes.
0: Fuck! I shouldn't have folded so early. (laughs) Should have held out. Arkin Black, regardless what Matt Young thinks about you and your character... I like you. Now, to answer your first question, of course alternate realities are real. They're realities, aren't they? You just don't see them represented on television or in political office because mainstream America has been slow to accept alternate realities. It's a slippery slope, they say. Why? If you let an alternate reality have the same freedoms as our traditional reality, what's to stop them from influencing our community, promoting its alternate educational agenda, even seducing our children to its alternate way of existence? You want to know how alternate realities work, Arkin Black? I'll tell you how they work. They play on our sympathies. It starts with an alternate reality character on Sesame Street, and before you know it, you've got an alternate reality in the Oval Office with its bizarre alternate finger on the button! (laughs) Now for recommendations. I enjoyed
1: Backward Aging Reality, Everyone Flies Reality, and the color green is Cocaine Reality. All great realities. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to point out that I made an Improv Jokeling before, I like and Black. I liked it the whole time. I liked them the whole time. I liked him, her, or it the whole time.
0: It was a joke about the comma?
1: Yeah, it was just a joke about the comma.
0: Look, Look it's
1: something you gotta understand about me, Mad Yunge. Yeah. I am an
0: Italian man. Yes. I'm very passionate. Yes. And there are some cultural differences that
1: I do not understand. Oh, I see. Your American comedy is lost on me. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I have a question for you, actually. Uh, May I pose it? Yes. Do you know Capitano? I know Capitano. You do? Of course. Oh. That paper tiger. Yes, yes, okay. He's a braggart soldier. He is. I played a Capitano once in a play. How did you play him? Uh, did you pull a trick on him? The bed trick? My favorite trick. I, I, well, Capitano was supposed to come, and I knocked him out, and then I uh, put on his clothes and portrayed him on the stage in his place. Hmm. Yeah. Did you have a special voice? You, some sort of ridiculous voice that you used as his character? Uh, I assume that my braggart soldier voice is a lot like my braggart wizard voice. So <laughs> just imagine what that might sound like.
0: <clears throat> you know, it's funny you mention it. Yes. Because my idiot roommate Mark Soloff, was uh, for a brief period of time part of a Commedia dell'arte troupe in Chicago, Illinois. Was he? He was. And their Capitano mm. had a convention of... Announcing himself when he would enter the stage and listing all his different names. Well, well,
1: well. In faith. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. I had no idea. That's very, that's, <laughs> uh, very compelling. Uh, for those of you who listen to Blaster Podcast but do not know Hello from the Magic Tavern, Usador the Wizard has a long list of titles and secret names that he can't tell anybody. Right.
0: Yeah. Maybe that'll be a bonus content. When you guys get a Patreon squirted out? When you get all my secret names? Yeah. Y- y- Usador will call your answering machine and
1: sneak his secret names into your ear. Uh, I, re- I really want to just send people rocks. There's a through line of rocks. Yeah. Uh, Us- Usador's is it- obsessed with rocks. He thinks that most rocks he finds are magical. I think some of them are, but not all.
0: Well, here's the thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. If in the reality of Foon, the world of... Uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah.
0: (laughs) In the the reality of food, rocks form in the same way they do here on the Arath, right? Uh, At one point in time, they were elements that were uh, disparate. And they came together through strong gravitational forces, uh, mushed together in a form of metamorphic rock. They were heated up and cooled down Mm -hmm. or sedimentary. They were bits of other things that kind of through time got compressed or ingenious rocks that just come straight out of your brain horn.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so there is a certain magic to that, the magic of nature.
1: Or a unicorn did it. A a unicorn? A unicorn could have made rocks just by wishing them.
0: Yeah. I heard something strange on a different podcast from some Australians. It's called Plumbing the Death Star. Okay. And they said, uh, mythologically, uh, only a virgin can find a unicorn. Really? Isn't that strange? I never knew that. I never knew that either. But it has a sort of weird mythic sexuality to it. Yeah. If you look at the unicorn Stinger as a dick.
1: Oh. And, and Ooh, who, yeah. who wouldn't? Yeah. Wow, I never thought about that.
0: Well, Matt, I'm glad that we've learned so much. Yes, because we have almost entered the next section of the show. Do you know what time it is?
1: Adventure time? Fuck you, no! <laughs> it's time, time for, for Learn! Learn!
0: Welcome to Shows We Like. Shows We Like. You know how I shows we like someone? How? With a thoughtful curd. Oh. Mm-hmm. I send them a bit of cheese That's that very squeaks nice. when you eat it. Yeah. People not from Wisconsin might not get that joke.
1: <laughs> curds are delicious. Every time I go to Wisconsin, I stop at the Mars Cheese Castle and I pick up curds and uh, Nuclearus beer. And whey? And whey. Curds, whey, curds Nuclearus beer. What's a nuclear spear? A nuclear spear is a beer. Is that beer... a mod
0: you can put onto your regular spear? Uh,
1: a Nuclearus beer company is a really good beer company that does not sponsor me or this podcast. Oh. Uh,. <clears throat> Do, do they sponsor your own podcast Night No. Fail? No, I'm just I'm just a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they 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 sponsor Hello to Hello To Night. Vale.
0: <laughs> uh nobody. Okay. This is I feel like the podcast like initiated uh-huh. are going to maybe appreciate that bit on a tiny level. <laughs> but for the majority of people, yeah. they're going to uh, be like what the no. fuck is this? <laughs> Who is this asshole? Why is that guy? That guy's not Italian. <laughs> Matt, it's time for learn. Yes, time for learn. We are talking today about
1: memory. Yes. What is memory? Memory is what your brain does so that you know what happened before. That's it. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Blaster Goodbye, Podcast, everybody. Everyone. Have a great weekend. <laughs> uh, no, memory is a really interesting topic. Um... And it's actually surprising, a lot of people assume that memory works like like a computer or a video camera where you record something and you store it away and whenever you need it again, you kind of, you know, go get that file and pull it back up and it's perfectly saved and stored. Retrieve one discrete unit of memory. Right, exactly. Like a warehouse. But it's not like that. You actually, as you're retrieving a memory, you're recreating that memory. Uh, Every time you remember something, you're recreating it. So within that process of building that memory, there is a lot of potential to alter or misremember things. And actually, the more you remember something, the less accurate your memory is. And there is a school of thought that the only perfectly preserved memory is a repressed memory. What? Yeah. Do you suppose this phenomenon explains why you saw a football-sized bee? Exactly. That's exactly what I think happened. Could th-
0: it have been a bee-sized football that actually flew out at you?
1: I th- I think someone painted a football yellow and threw it at my face. Of course. No, I think I saw a bee, and I was terrified as a child, and then I recounted it, and I was young enough that I was able to convince myself that the danger I perceived Uh, the emotional factor that I recalled along with the factual parts uh, colored and re-altered that memory until it became a much different uh, thing that I recall. There's also a school of thought that while repressed memories are the most perfectly preserved memories, there is so much ability to alter and influence other people's memories, which if you watch any kind of making a murderer or uh, making uh, a Muppet, making a Muppet kind of documentary where they uh, look at the criminal justice system. There is a lot of belief that those are techniques used either on purpose or inadvertently that uh, eyewitness accounts are very unreliable in the courtroom, but they're often used to uh, put people in jail for years and years and years. And you can actually convince people that they've, have very different memories than what they really have or are capable of having. And you can even convince them that they have repressed memories that they don't really have. That's frightening. It's terrifying. This sounds like some secret government ops black dossier type stuff. Yeah, but there are a lot of people who are also actually working to make sure that those sorts of things don't happen and that eyewitness accounts are corroborated with real solid science And, you know, factual evidence that can back up and corroborate a witness. And then sometimes when somebody is put in jail or found guilty without any kind of physical evidence that that goes along with that story, if it's just pure eyewitness testimony, there are great social justice people, uh, innocence programs that fight to try to set them free. Oh, yeah. So it ain't all bad. It ain't all bad. Yeah. I also saw a thing while I was researching this about some guys, and I'm not going to remember their names, but they're super cool. And they were doing memory tests on mice where they could uh, use lights, nothing but lasers, to change the mouse's memory. So they believe that they can uh, – they were trying to find a way to do it fast enough, and they were like, chemicals are too slow, and we don't know where they might go in the body – and they use uh, they use lasers to uh, convince a mouse that was in a blue room to remember. So he remembers he's in a blue room. Then they put him in a red room, and then they shine this light on him, and he thinks he's in a blue room again, uh, because he has the same sort of physical reaction to it, uh, because they gave him a small shock when he's in the blue room. Of course. So when he's in the red room, he starts you know exploring, and mice are naturally very curious. And they give they uh, shine the light on him, and he. Reacts as if he's been shocked again or he's afraid he's going to be shocked. Right. Yeah.
0: So he has an association with the blue that he's going to get a little shockola in his little foot pads. That's right. That's Uh, right. When Mouse is in the red room, does it have to shake its stuff for the Amsterdamian men who come and look at him? They didn't
1: get into this, Mm -hmm. but in the photos that I saw, uh, the the Mouse is wearing a halter top Mm. and way too much lipstick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sad. That's, could just be a byproduct of cosmetic testing, which we all benefit from. <laughs> that's true. Thank you. Look how good I look today. I can't. <laughs> look. No, look at me. <laughs> look right at me. Mm. Look at me. Ah. I know. It's glorious, right? It's so bright. <laughs> this episode
0: has been brought to you by Neutrogena. Smemories. <laughs> memories. How it works. On a on a chemical level, let's not talk about this frou-frou. You feel things, you see things. Let's talk
1: about the nuts and bolts. What's going on inside of a, a human barn when they're when they are making a memory? Well, there's all sorts of crazy chemicals like called beta actins that reshape our neurons to create new pathways for information. But you probably know more about that than I do. Well, of course. Because you're a genius doctor. <laughs> Thank you. It's about time I got some fucking recognition around here. I I I want to give you this. I was going to wait till the end, what? but this is a gold medal for doctoring.
0: <laughs> gold medal?
1: Yeah, it's it's you're, it says number one doctor on it. Thank, wait, mm-hmm. looks like dad has been scratched out here and doctor has been written in Sharpie. Right.
0: That's great. Thank <laughs> you're you welcome. so
1: much. You're welcome. Uh, so, yeah, on a microscopic level, memory will literally change the structure of your brain. This is why some researchers like to say Neurons that fire together, wire together. I like that. It's catchy. It is catchy, isn't it? It is. And a thing that impresses me is that the B
0: actins are a protein, right? When I think of protein, I think of the stuff that I like to ingest, you know, all the various sausages and danglers I have on my walls. uh I like to just scoop that in and get some protein, some fat. What about jerky? That's my favorite buddy comedy. (laughs) Uh, yes, I have been known to eat jerky, turkey jerky. Mm-hmm. I had a terrifying experience in Pantaloni's oh. basement with it. Oh, no. But I am still, I'm working my way back into it. Good, So I'm good. starting slow with like mouse jerky,
1: oh. uh, squid jerky. Squid jerky? Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. Did you know there is kind of a real thing? Squid jerky? No, I did not know this. The Japanese, a superior
0: people to the Americans. Yes. Frequently sell dried squid in a food establishments, oh. grocery stores, and it's a, just a desiccated, spread out little little squid. Or maybe I'm thinking of octopus. I'm sorry, squids and octopuses. I can't tell the difference. That's okay. They're dead. They're dead now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And forever. All of them.
0: <laughs> all of them? Yeah. What happened?
1: Uh, They tried to eat them in Japan, and they just they killed them all. all the Japanese kill, did a squid
0: holocaust? Yeah. I'm going to deny that. Okay, good for you. <laughs> uh anyway, that's kind of a squid jerky.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: What's your favorite kind of jerky?
1: I'm a fan of turkey jerky. It's delicious. It's lower in calories. Mm-hmm. It's a very good uh filling treat. Now, do you eat it like a regular meat or do you just kind of suck on it for a while? I, I tend to chew on it unless it's like a really big piece, and then I will um I'll take a bite and I'll kind of um I'll let it soften a bit in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really sorry I said that sentence. <laughs> you this know, is the kind of thing you can hear on Hello from Nightvale.
0: <laughs> my mouth has a taste for some hard, salty meat. <clears throat> oh, no. But I think I'll let it soften a bit on my palate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, now that we know neurons that hire together,
1: mire together. Yeah. I understand. Uh, there's a way that we can make memories last longer. Yeah, if memories are reinforced by repetition, uh, paying you know close attention to them, you can train your brain essentially. Train your brain, or or emotional states like a strong emotion like will make that memory stronger. Like I'm sure, like some happy or sad thing in your past probably made a memory, you know, more uh, easy to recall. Right. There's
0: that time I had to pass a whole roll of duct tape. You passed a whole roll of duct tape? I passed a whole... The entire roll. N- none of the tape had been used yet. To whom? <laughs> to, to the plumbing. Ah. So. Uh, and I was watching The Diary of Ridget Jones at the time. Oh. And so my heart w- felt uh, tears. Yes. and But my body was feeling lepania. Yeah. Uh, and so every time I see Diary of Ridget Jones... Which is every day. Every single day. That's because I got Amazon Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that's the one I have queued up in my netcocks. Yeah, yeah. Every time it happens, I feel a pain in my keister. Yeah. And I have an involuntary dialysis. Ooh,
1: that's not great. If you time it well, it can be a boon. I suppose that's true. Uh, And then there's some things that we just sort of learned by rote. uh, You know, like you know your phone number. Of course, eight six seven you know, five three zero nine, 8, eight six seven five three zero nine, and you know the Pledge of Allegiance, for example, like to you, Italy, to Italy. Yes, of course, I sure do. The Italian Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> yeah, can you go ahead and do that right now?
0: Of course, I pledge of allegiance ah to ah, uh, uh-huh. Italia, and uh, to the Republic, for which it stands, one nation, <laughs> under the God,
1: uh-huh. indivisible. Uh-huh with liberty and justice let's a go <laughs> did you know they added the under god in the 50 50- under gada because in the 50s because they were afraid of communism really yeah that no. was not originally a part of the pledge of allegiance i did not Italia. know that and, and, and for, furthermore let's mm-hmm. get back to the pledge of
0: allegiance of america yeah i feel like it's grammatically incorrect i pledge of allegiance to x y and z I- y- you would just pledge allegiance I pledge my allegiance to you and your cause. I I don't pledge of
1: my allegiance to you, right? Is the word of in there? I pledge of allegiance. I don't think that. I think pledge of allegiance is what it's called. That's the title of it. (laughs) But then you say, (laughs) I pledge Pledge Allegiance."
0: allegiance. Oh, boy.
1: Little old Mark Soloff may have been saying it wrong. <laughs> Your stupid fucking roommate. What a piece of shit. I hate him. <laughs> what a discovery I have made about his childhood.
0: <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> oh, man. So does the pledge count anymore? Is Barack Obama going to get him in his sack? Is he going to what? Get him in his sack. I don't know. You know, all the bad people who aren't patriotic get... Pulled up in that sack that he carries around at Christmas time.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get beaten with birch switches. Oh no! Yeah, you got to say the pledge every day, even if you're not in school, or he'll come get you. Really, even as an adult? Yeah. Well, you don't have to because you're Italian. I'm a citizen of Italy. Yeah, and a citizen of the world. But I get up and every I say it every day first thing. Really, even before your meditation. Even before my meditation, my eyes open. I put my hand over my heart. I say, "I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with uh, liberty and justice for all." Let's it go, and then let's it go, and then I shut off my alarm. I put on my slippers and I go to the bathroom in your bed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 I do not, I never get out of the bed. Is that why you sleep
0: at a slight angle?
1: Yes, that, that way it just, it's like a trowel, mm-hmm. it all just like, it all, it all runs off. Moving into that slaughterhouse was one of the best ideas you did. I think so, although this pod is so comfy, I'm very, very uh, jealous, I'm very jealous. Well, it's a pod chamber, so it's got the advantages of
0: a pod uh, with the class of a chamber. Um, that's that's true. That's but true. But it also has the weaknesses of each. Oh, you, know, you can't throw a rager in the pod chamber without getting glitter dust in all the crevices. Right, right, right. You know, and also if flooding occurs, the <laughs> whole pod chamber is so buoyant it might actually
1: get moved about, and then we have to get rezoned. But at least it's floating and not sinking. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you got to look look at the good, not the bad. Sometimes I don't have to do that. You okay? Fair enough. <laughs> So uh, can you tell me more about the different types of memory? Of course I can. Yeah. I mean, normally this is the guest's job, but I'm a tutorial. I'm I'm just curious.
0: I want to help. I'm a great pot which will dispense the juice of knowledge to my tiny cups of students. Can we help each other? Can we talk about it together? Mm. Cooperation is not big in Blaster Podcast. Okay, fine. But we certainly can attempt. All right. You're a real improviser. You really like to work together. (laughs) I am. Group dynamic. I'm a real desperado. A despot I meant to say a despotato. I'm sorry.
1: Despotato. I got gotcha.
0: Spanish is not my first
1: language. No, Ital- Italian is your first language. Yeah. And English is your... First language. First, also your first language. I
0: didn't learn numbers very well.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. You got languages, just not numbers. Yeah. Who needs numbers? Uh, we, we're we thinkers. We're feelers. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of feelers,
0: point your feelers towards this. There are several types of... Of memories. You can categorize them in different ways, Matt. Uh huh. Uh, You've probably heard of short term, long term extended stay yeah so those ideas are that there are some memories that you just keep for a little while Mm -hmm. and then there's some memories that you can't get rid of i mean eventually you can but they're harder to get rid of right um
1: and you know maybe it's something that you want to remember for extended periods of time those things are accurate but not entirely modern in the way that we think about memory uh, immediate memory is the kind of the idea that we, uh, in the extreme shorts, short term. I like extreme uh, shorts extre- in August. Yeah. Yeah. You want those short shorts in August. Yes. It's so short lived that we don't like think of it as memory. It's like if you watch a movie mm-hmm. and there's actually just a bunch of still pictures that they keep
0: on changing. Yeah. Like 24 of them per second. Right. Your immediate That's memory right. sees that and makes it feel like you're watching one fluid image. Oh. Because it pieces together discrete tiny flashes of
1: sensory input. Got it. To help you make sense of your world. So that's immediate memory. What is a working memory? Working memory is what I was saying before where you're 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 retaining information for a short period of time and it's sort of an active process of like oh i want to remember this thing so i'm going to try to remember it which is i assume the type of memory that i use most often as a comedic improvisational performer uh, i i think my virus is spreading to you a bit now. what are you talking about it's too late <laughs> treat the symptoms all right
0: uh, so we okay immediate memory bad bullshit Uh, working memory is what we often think of in our archaic way as short-term memory. A a memory that's around for a little while, but then it's going to take off. Yeah. Kind of like many of our fathers. Oh, oh. My father was a meat serpent. He serves meat? No, he was a meat serpent. Oh. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, Matt.
1: Serpents? Uh,
0: they're not very good at nurturing. And meats, not famous for being very fatherly. No, no, no. Not
1: traditionally.
0: Meats are inherently selfish.
1: True. That's why it's hard to pry the jerky apart with your mouth. Yeah. They just want to stay together. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're fighting for life. Yeah. Uh, Long-term memories used to store facts and recollection of past experiences. It's usually what we mean when we refer to remembering something. Oh, so, so that was the thing I was talking about earlier where you're like recalling and recreating memories. Those are stored somewhere. Those things are stored, but you start to change them as you as you recall them more often and more frequently.
0: That's a little bit like if you work in a warehouse and every mm-hmm. time someone's like, hey, can I have the new iPod? You have to build the iPod out of a bunch of different parts and then bring it to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one way of looking at it. But it's also maybe looking at it as if you work in a warehouse and somebody says, go get me an iPod off that shelf. And you go over to the shelf where all the iPods are. You're not always grabbing the same exact iPod. You're grabbing a different iPod. And maybe this time it's red. This time it's pink. So every time you're doing that, it's a slightly different experience. Hmm. And the person you're bringing it to might even influence how you bring it to them. Oh. Yeah. The style in which the actors perform. Yes, exactly. Which is why our memories can be influenced
0: so easily. And if I give an iPod to a small child who's afraid of me, it might look like it's the size of a
1: football. That's very true. Exactly. Terrifying, right? Terrifying. Uh, Memory can also be classified by how it's accessed and what type of information the memory contains. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't we just access it through our brain port? no 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 no. there's all sorts of different ways Uh, implicit memory is automatic you don't have to work to summon these memories uh listing the days of the week or or stating your name uses implicit memory like who are you
0: i'm Dottore balordo man of science you
1: didn't think about that at all didn't have to think about it
0: implicit right it's not like i'm somebody else who's pretending to be Dottore balordo because i just have that
1: memory like queued up obviously uh, and there's a subcategory of implicit memory called procedural memory, and that's how we walk and we drive or play an instrument. We just like it's in our body. it's a it's a physical manifestation of that
0: so what
1: some people refer to as muscle memory might yes. be classified as procedural exactly, exactly. So there's implicit memory, but there's also explicit memory. Now this... Oh, we're going to have
0: to put the E on the podcast in iTunes if we talk about that kind of thing.
1: No no, 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 I'll I'll keep it clean. I okay. promise. So uh, if it's explicit memory, it requires a little more work on your part. You're remembering, Ugh. you know, how many days of paid vacation you currently have or something like that. Maybe <laughs> something that's immediately in your, you know, your, your thought brain. Right. It's something you got to think about a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's uh, two subcategories of that. You've got semantic memory and episodic memories. Semantic memories not connected to personal experience, like historical dates, famous quotes, uh, Simpsons quotes, Right. In particular, if it, if you didn't have a personal relationship with that quote, if you don't have
0: a personal relationship with that quote, like if someone's like I caramba as they like are punching you over
1: and over again, you're going to eventually associate I caramba with personal experience. And that is an episodic memory because they're more emotional or sensory like, you know, a wedding or a funeral or the birth of your first child. How many children do you have? Well, it depends on how you define child. Uh, I don't want to. To right me, now. Blaster Podcast is my child. Oh, okay. So just one. Just the one.
0: Okay. I, I do a spin off child called Muffed Movies, uh, with it, but that's mostly my idiot roommate. Oh, uh, he doesn't even know the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> hey. Buster Podcast has a healthy British audience, and they probably don't care about Marx's deficit in that regard at
1: all. No, and they have their own Pledge of Allegiance, the British Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> of course. Would you recite that for me real I quick? I would love to. I say, I pledge allegiance to the flag, cheerio, and to the constitutional monarchy for which it stands, a bunch of nations that appear as one nation— under God, indivisible, with liberty, justice, and tea for all. Now,
0: I understand that you, as a
1: child, uh-huh. were raised by wild Brits until a, a, an explorer found you and brought you back to Illinois. That's right. So and, that's why I know that. And from heart. there, America. Yeah. I went from Illinois—I went from uh, being raised raised by wild Brits to Illinois through Staten Island, through uh, Ellis Island, then to uh, America. They often say that Illinois is the mouth of the nation— because everyone has to pass through there in order to get in. That's very true. I think if you come to America and you don't come through Illinois, I'm going to be like, how did you get here? You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You come in from
0: the South? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, get your knife together. Uh, semantic memory? Yeah. Episodic memory? These There are many types of memory. There's a bunch. And as we have established, your memories change every time you bring them up to the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do memories all live in one little locker in your brain? Oh, no, 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 no. So it's not like if you get bonked in the head and one cube of your brain dies, all your memories about absolutely everything you did are gone forever. Like there might be muscle memory on how to do something that's unaffected.
1: Yes, exactly. So memory is stored throughout your brain. And when you forget something... It's because there's a disruption between the neurons that facilitate a memory. Uh, and and there's a protein called the mushashi protein. Mushashi Mushashi. They can inhibit the production of other proteins which stabilize neural connections. So one might theorize that the breakdown in connections is where the trouble may lie, right. Because it's sort of like uh, you can't send a message across a wire that's broken, right. But if some of those connections are there and some are lost, you can still walk, you can still talk, you can still play the piano, but you don't know who your roommate is.
0: I know who my roommate is. I'm sorry.
1: And it's important to forget things, too, because it helps streamline our memories, and paring them down helps us save the things we really need to save. Like the American way of life. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, as an Italian man, I appreciate you admitting that. I have to say that so they don't deport me. Yeah, I understand. Uh, so they think, uh, researchers believe, uh, there's a lot of science behind the idea. Yeah, if we couldn't forget, we would develop serious mental problems. Now, do you forget anything, Dottore? Yeah, I remember anything, Torre. He was one of my
0: many clones, and he had garlic, and he had uh-huh. poppy seeds in him, and I think sesame seeds.
1: Are you sure you didn't just eat a bagel? Hmm. <laughs> Was that, a, was that a clone of you or was that an everything bagel? Well, I mean, I don't see the world in black and white. Fair enough. Good answer. Thank you. Uh, so now people wonder, do we even need memory? <laughs> That's a good question. We've got computers. We've got all sorts of things that can record things and store them away. Like why even re- Why? 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 Tell me why. I don't know
0: why. Well, it seems like a bit of a softball question. What do you mean? Uh, Memory, right, helps us do all the activities that we do. Remembering how to busk your teeth. I forgot. Remembering how to drive your knar.
1: Yeah. Remembering the tender embrace of a lover. But is is it possible that someday we could have, you know, like the way you buy a, a memory module for your iMac, could you have that that goes into your head? Oh, like Johnny Mnemonic. Like Johnny Mnemonic. It's not
0: that far away, man. I'm I'm up for the idea of being able to hold more memories in my head without damaging my brain. Uh, well, yeah. But in terms of outsourcing all my memories onto an external thing, I think that seems a little bit
1: risky. It seems a little bit risky. We're definitely not there yet. But it potentially, you know, obviously there's scary things about it and there are ethical things to consider about it. But uh, there is a potential, you know, to like... Greatly improve human existence, too. Matt! Yes? I ask you this thought puzzle.
0: What if you could keep your memory in a special side box, Mm -hmm. and then someone else could check out your memory? Ooh. What if we could become more closer by understanding each other's memories?
1: Well, I mean, I guess there are a lot of other questions that go with that. If we're recreating memories every time we make them and we put them into a box... I'm saving one particular instance of that memory, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm sharing that. And then as I remember it, does my memory have a change, even though the thing in the box stays the same?
0: Yeah. And it, then
1: can it, I access that box and see how different it is? Sure. Ooh. I mean, it's not like a one and done situation.
0: Yeah. You know, it. it I suddenly think a memory is kind of like a recipe. Ooh. Every time you want to taste that sweet memory...
1: You got to go back and put the parts together. Right. And it's going to be a different thing every time. But it still tastes like the thing you remember, and it's probably pretty close to the thing you remember. Right. That's a very interesting metaphor. might be the best metaphor Dottore Balordo has come up with. Dottore, I am proud and honored to have spent today talking to you about memory. Thank you.
0: And because of your noble pride and your honorable honor, Mm -hmm. it is my pleasure to award you with this
1: Number one medal in doctoring. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is great. This looks like uh, Matt was crossed out and you put the word doctor here. Yeah. So it said number one, Matt, and then you put doctor. That's right. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. You're welcome. <sighs> what a wonderful day. What were we talking about? I don't remember.
0: Mets. Oh! Do you know what time it is?
1: It is plugs time.
0: It's time for plugs! Yes! It's time for plugs! time, for, for, time plugs, for plugs, not for drugs, plugs, but plugs, plugs. plugs! Give me a hug!
1: I have so many things to plug,
0: Detore. Plug Detore? Is that another clone? <laughs> plug Detore was a short-lived Detore. We just used him to patch up Boat Detore.
1: <laughs> good, good. Well, and I'm glad your Boat Detore is okay. Boat Detore was not seaworthy. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Uh, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I am very fortunate that I perform uh, with the Improvised Shakespeare Company. Uh, We have shows uh, every Thursday at 8 p.m., every Friday at 8 and 10.30, and every Saturday at 8 and 10.30 at the I.O. Theater at 1501 North Kingsbury in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we're also touring around the country, so you can check us out at improviseshakespeare.com. Uh, and I'm performing with them about 50 percent of those shows. There's a big group of guys and we kind of, you know, we give a schedule and we were you rotate we take turns. We rotate in and out. Um, and we've got some guys in L.A. now. And, uh, Thomas Middleditch. Thomas Middleditch. Famous famously chicken nugget man. Yes. Yes. And um, and Patrick Stewart uh, has played oh, with Patrick us. Stewart's in L.A. now. Uh, He's in LA now. I'm glad Um, that he's finally coming up in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But he's done actual shows with us a couple times. Uh, I have not been fortunate enough to play in one of those yet, but maybe someday. And I am also in the improvised Star Trek show, speaking of Patrick Stewart. Is Patrick Stewart going to be in one of those? I doubt it. Can you imagine? I cannot. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we are a podcast. We have a new episode every Monday, Uh, full episode every week, bonus every other week. And we also do live shows from time to time. We just finished a short run at the end of December, and we'll probably be doing another run sometime on stage in the calendar year of 2016, but it has not been decided yet. So keep your eyes peeled by going to ImproviseShakespeare.com or following us on iTunes. And I'm also part of Hello from the Magic Tavern podcast, which also has new episodes every Monday where I play Usador the Wizard— and you can uh, subscribe to us, follow us at HelloFromMagicTavern.com, follow us on Twitter, as I said before, at Magic Tavern or at Usador the Blue, and just have fun listening to us do funny, dumb things. I love funny things.
0: You like dumb things? I like dumb things because they keep me in business. This is an educational show, man. That's very true. Now, uh, if you are uh, loyal Blaster Apostles and have listened to Blaster Podcast a lot, there is a bit of universe crossover between Mm. this show and Matt's other shows. Sean Kelly. Yes. A young, handsome lad. Very. uh, Is also a member of Improvised Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to that episode
1: about the singularity, uh, you could go to one of their shows and see both these men. Did you know that your dumb roommate was also once on an episode of Improvised Star Trek. He, what? Detroit just did a spit take, everybody. I know you couldn't see that. He unlatched himself from his manicules? Yes. He snuck away one day, and he recorded an episode with us that is very, very funny. You should go back and listen to it. I'll listen to it as evidence and then punish him accordingly. Thank you. Of
0: course.
1: Uh, Matt, is that all you have to plug? That's it for me. Detroit, do you have anything to plug? I certainly do. Let's hear it. <clears throat> First, the more serious shit. Uh, there is still
0: time to help friend of the show, Rob Schumate, who is fending off lymphoma, which I understand is a disease of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a fundraiser, which I have mentioned on Twitter and on a previous episode, and that can be found at www.crowdrise.com slash help support Rob Shoemate. All one word, and Schumat is S-H-U-M-A-T. Uh, Now, the deal is, this guy is the brother of a host of the Nerd Outcast podcast, my friend Chris Bashan. He's got lymphoma, uh, and we want to help him out by throwing a few shekels his way. Um, So if you donate $25 or more, I will send you—well, not me, but my idiot roommate— we will send you an MP3 of the never-released Lost episode of Muffed Movies, which is— Save the Last Dance. <laughs> <laughs> and it includes uh, many premature references to the ball droid. This good, was recorded good. before, long before Force Awakens Nobody happened. knew
1: the name BB-8 yet. No,
0: no one knew about BB-8. Uh, but Mark Soloff was obsessed with inserting the ball droid into yes. every scene of Save the Last Dance he could. Sure. Uh, they're natural... Uh, 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 partners. Uh, they're natural partners. Yeah. If you choose to donate, please direct message me on Twitter at AskDotore and let me know, and I'll send you a link to the episode. You'll Uh, be helping, my friend, and helping yourself.
1: Both Rob and Chris are awesome guys, and if you can help out, we would all really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Um... Uh, once you're done helping and being a good person, uh, help me in my greedy, selfish lust for power and glory <laughs> by rating and reviewing me uh, and by me, I mean Blaster Podcast on iTunes. Give me a star rating. Apparently, it boosts the. You can see the show. I don't know. Just fucking do it. <laughs> Apparently, it's a pretty good thing for the show. Oh, good. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm on Twitter at AskTore. Please follow me, and you can communicate with me there. Uh, also, special thanks and shout out to Ark in Black and to Ace of Cups. Now, where's my Amigurumant? Matt, thank you
1: so much for being on the show. Thank you, Detore. Um, I think we should uh, wear our medals outside of the pod chamber and uh, go get some uh, desiccated octopus to eat. Did you say octopussy? Uh, no, I, no, I definitely <laughs> said octopus. <laughs> Keep it clean. <laughs> All right, we'll be metal friends. <laughs> Great. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. The Blaster Podcast
0: theme song was composed by Stephen Poon, www.timecrashband.com. Blaster Podcast is a proud member of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. If you like this show, check out some of their other offerings, like the One Shot Podcast. One Shot is an actual play podcast that records improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds playing RPGs. Every month brings a new game and a new cast of players in a self-contained adventure. The One Shot Podcast. Maybe you should give it one shot.